Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. Going back into this series, did you get my text? Um, I think it's only fitting that I get to preach during this text or during this uh, series. Because if you know me well, if you communicate with me often, um, you might know that I get this text message often. Hey, did you get my text? Because um, you might know that I'm, this may be a weakness of mine. It might be a kryptonite of mine, is answering people and their text messages in an appropriate amount of time. Um, and, and earlier um, in this year, before the summer, um, there were just some people that were like, man, like, it kind of it, it hurts when I text you and you only text me back three days later. And I was like, man, you're right. I was like, I'm sorry. And, and the Lord was just kind of working on me, and the people around me were working on me. I was like, I didn't know that, you know, that it affected people like that. So this summer, I, I made an intentional effort. And so I hope if you've communicated with me this summer, you, it's, it's seen and, and you've noticed that I, I'm trying to get back to you in an appropriate amount of time. Um, but I get this text often. Did you get my text? Um, and oftentimes, I read it with the intention of, of answering it. And then oftentimes it's I don't because X, Y, Z, I get involved with something else. I think about it. I don't quite know how to respond yet, and so I put it off, and then I forget. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the iPhone has a great feature where you hold down the text message. It pops up and shows you the whole message, and it's great, and you can read it. And then it disappears, right? And the notification disappears. And therefore, you miss the text because the notification isn't there. Anybody else in the room do that sometimes? Um, I am the guiltiest of them all. And so I read the text, and we see the text, but we don't do anything about it, right? We don't answer it. And I think that God this morning is asking, did you get my text? And there are certain scriptures that we can get, and we say, yeah, God, I read it, but I didn't do anything about it. And I feel like this morning, when I think of, did you get my text, that's what I think about it. What are the, the texts that I've read, the texts that I currently read that I intend on doing something, but I never do. And so I want to take you to the, the book of Matthew. And it says this, Jesus is already, uh, his ministry is, is um, complete. He has called his disciples. He has died. He has rose again. He has defeated death. He has defeated sin. And it's come to this point, and he's back, and his disciples are following him. And it says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. This scripture sounds a lot like following Jesus to me, right? They were obedient to him, they worshipped him, and then they doubted. Anybody else in the room, sometimes that feels like the flow, right? We're obedient, we worship him, we doubt him. And Pastor Drew preached a great message last week about following him and what that takes. Um, But for the disciples, it's like, all right, we're following him, what now? Jesus has completed his ministry. He's about to leave us. What now? And the scripture continues and it says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have, given all, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you. Always, even to the end of the age. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. And God, as we examine your text, God, as we get your text this morning, God, everything we say, everything we do honors and glorifies you. 
God, everything that's of you this morning, God, I pray that it sinks in. God, everything that's not of you, God, let it be forgotten very quickly. God, I love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. How many of y'all heard that before? Right? The Great Commission. This is Jesus' last command to us. This is his last hoorah. He is about to leave us, and he's saying, go, tell people about me. Go, share the good news that they can be saved. Go and make disciples of all nations. But I feel like sometimes we can read this scripture, and it can, it can be used as a, as a cop-out. Right? That when we say, when we read, go and make disciples of all nations, we're like, all right, that means the nations over there. It means it's those nations, like the, the ones far away. And, and this is why that we, we support missions in Belize and Israel and in Haiti. Uh, but how many know when it says all nations, it, it includes our nation as well, right? Right, when Jesus is saying this, he's not, he's telling the disciples, take it everywhere. He's not saying, forget about your own backyard and do it. And so this morning, I want us to talk about sharing Jesus right where we are. I want to I share about sharing the gospel in our neighborhood, in our communities. Did you know that in 180 countries that the gospel is growing and the gospel is being accepted quicker than the population is growing? That means that people are accepting Christ. People are following, choosing to follow Jesus at a faster rate than people are being born. Isn't that awesome? I think that deserves some celebration, that the gospel is growing, the gospel is moving. In 20 countries, that is not the case. 20 countries in the world. And one of those countries is the United States of America. Right in our backyard. You know, and I, 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 this could have been happening my entire life, but I'm hearing about it more and more now. That there are other countries sending missionaries now to the United States. Because they're like, they need Jesus. And we do. Right? Before, it was kind of a, it's a shift where in the United States, we would send missionaries and now we're getting sent right back to us because they know, man, the gospel needs to go there. And so this morning, I want to talk about sharing the gospel right here. But how do we do this? Pastor Drew shared a scripture last week that I want to revisit. And Jesus is calling his first disciples. He says, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Or you might have heard it said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I was reading this scripture a couple weeks ago. Um, a, a member of this church so graciously hosted us at their, their house in Lewis, and where we got to vision cast and, and strategically plan for the next three years of lift. And right down the street, three houses down, there's this big fishing pier. It goes way out in the water. And so I decided I'm going to do my quiet time out there on the pier. Because how many of you all Jesus speaks louder when you're out on the, on the pier, right? Anybody else think that way sometimes? Uh, so I did my quiet time out on the pier. And I'm reading this scripture where Jesus is saying, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will show you how to fish for people. And it's not even clicking that I'm, I'm sitting on a fishing pier, right? Nothing is clicking at this point. Um, so I'm sitting on this bench and these two fishermen walk up. This big, long pier. It probably starts at the, begin the beginning of the room all the way to the back. And they put all their fishing stuff down on the bench that I'm sitting on. I'm like, man, you can't find a different spot to put your fishing stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here. Um, but it was all for a reason, because as I'm sitting there, these guys start talking about fishing. 
These guys start talking about where the best place was to fish yesterday and where the best place is to fish today and how they had to cast differently over in this area and they had to bait their hooks with something different here because they're not biting this hook, this bait anymore, but now they're biting this kind of bait. Um, I am not a fisherman. I have no clue what they were talking about. I used to go fishing as a kid, and I would sit there, I would cast my line, and this is what I would do. Nothing. Not, not even a nibble. And then you, you would reel it in and the bait's gone. Anybody else that happened to, right? I think that the Lord is trying to tell me my spiritual gift is not fishing. That's for sure. Not the real, not the real fishing for fish. Um, but how many of y'all know that these guys had to learn how to fish? Someone had to teach them that, that this is a good fishing spot. Someone taught them that here in this area, you've got to bait your hook with this kind of, this kind of bait. Right? They weren't just casting their, their lines into an empty pond and expecting to catch a fish. But somebody taught them how to fish. And so I'm reading this scripture, and I'm like, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. That Jesus didn't say, hey, come follow me, now go fish for people. He said, I'll show you how to do it. I'm going to teach you. And I wonder this morning if some of you are like me as a kid when I was fishing, and I'm casting my line. And I'm not catching anything. I'm getting frustrated. And maybe that's happening to you too in your life right now, in your faith, that you're saying, man, I'm living for Jesus. I'm casting my line out. I'm trying to fish for men, but it's not working. What do I do? And there's frustration there. But then the Lord was, was talking to me, and he was like, but no one's ever taught you how to fish. No one's ever taught you how to do it. And so we're getting frustrated with something that we were never taught how to do. And so this morning, who wants to learn how to fish? Anyone learn how to fish this morning? And so we're going to talk about fishing. And I think there, there were some really cool parallels between what those guys were saying about real fishing that we can take and we can apply to, to fishing for men. Um, so the first thing that we got to ask ourselves is where are the fish biting? Where are the fish biting? I, I worked at a place called the Epoch Dream Center where I had a, a, a classroom full of kids. And, and one of my roles there um, as a teacher is you got you to discipline right? You got to hand out consequences sometimes. Um, all right, you're, you're getting super distracted reading. You're distracting everybody else. Five more minutes of reading, whatever. There's consequences. There's discipline. There's teaching them how um, to respect authority. There's an epoch code at, at epoch, and it's work hard, respect authority, love everyone, and forgive quickly. Every kid should know those four things, and they know that's what epoch is about. And um, I'm going into my friend, my good friend Garrett. He started working at epoch about three years ago, and he had the middle school boys class. How many of y'all know middle school boys are awesome, right? Yeah, I tricked you there. You thought I was going to say middle school boys are awful. They are not awful. They're awesome. Um, but I go in there. They're supposed to be reading. And they are running around the classroom like crazy. They're shooting hoops on the basketball hoop on the wall. Garrett is trying to get control of them at, with no success. Um, there's someone wrestling. I'm pretty sure one kid had all his clothes off. It was just craziness. And I, and I walk in. And they all see me walk in, and I just say, guys, you know better than this. I'm like, you guys know that this is not respecting authority, and I think you guys know what you're supposed to be doing right now. And they all stopped and quickly, just quietly went to their desk and started reading, and I walked out of the classroom. I was like, that actually worked. Um, and Garrett caught up with me afterward, after work, and he was like, dude, how did you do that? <laughs> he was like, I said those same exact words. I, I said it the same exact way, and it didn't work. And so I was thinking, I was like, why, why did it work? 
And I was thinking, it was like, it's just because I have influence with them. It's because for four years, I've spoken into their life. For four years, they've known me and they've trusted me and they've known that I would be there for them. They knew that I loved them no matter what. I was consistent with how I disciplined them for four years. I was consistent with how I treated them. I was consistent with how I loved them. They knew they could trust me. I had influence with them. That was the only difference. And so my question for you this morning, where are the fish biting? It's the same, thing, same question is where do you have influence? Where do you have influence? You know people, you, you interact with people that I will never get to see on a normal basis. But they know you. They trust you. They love you. You love them. You trust them. And you have influence with them. You know, for people to hear about the gospel, they used to say, if churches could just get their name out there, if we could like buy keywords on the internet and they search them up and our church will pop up, they'll find our church and they'll come and they'll hear the gospel and they'll be saved. That used to be how it worked. That used to be the, they would say that's the most effective way to do this thing. But studies are showing that there is a major shift in how people experience Jesus and how people want, are able to hear about Jesus. And it's showing that the best way for people to hear about Jesus is through a personal interaction with someone they know and trust. So if I roll up into a biker bar, I don't know anybody, and I try to cast my line, I might, I might catch one. You know, I believe that the gospel in its truest form is going to work. I believe that if you present the gospel to people, that it is so attractive and so, so contagious. I mean, the hope of Jesus, I believe that, that you can present it to anyone and it can work. But I'm talking about what I, what I have found and what Jesus has found to be the most effective way to do this thing. All right, I might cast my line at a place where I have no influence, no authority, no relationships. I might catch one with just the plain, just the power of the gospel. But the best way is if someone who knows those guys, someone who knows those women walk in there and has relationship with them. Life change happens in the context of relationship. So where do you have influence this morning? You know people that you have influence with that I never will unless you bring them, unless you tell them, unless you love them. So number two, what other question do we need to ask is how do you catch the fish? What's the method, right? How many know there's different methods of catching different fish? There's fly fishing, there's net fishing, there's spear fishing. You can cast your line, you can set a trot line. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but you can do it. There's different methods. And so I want, I want to share with you one method that I think has, has, has survived the test of time that has worked for eternity. Right? The world is going to tell you, get as many people as possible. There's a reason that, that they want you to, to throw everybody in the funnel and maybe a few will pop out. There's a reason that companies spend millions and millions of dollars on commercials at the Super Bowl. Because they know that millions of people are going to see it. Millions of people are going to go in the funnel. And they may have a few trickle out that buy their product, that get pumped about their product. Right? That's how the, the world sees it. And sometimes I feel like we have this pressure that we have to have a stage like this to present the gospel on. That it has to be to the masses. It's got to be to 500 people. Man, God, God, if you give me 1,000 people, God, I'll share the gospel. God, God, if you would give me the crowd. But Jesus did something different. Jesus changed something. I'm going to do something crazy here. You ready? It's not that crazy. Just flipping the funnel, right? Flip the funnel. Right? Jesus didn't say, get as many people as possible, and maybe a few of them will come out following me. 
don't get me wrong, Jesus preached to his masses. Jesus preached to his crowds. But what Jesus did is he flipped it. And he said, you know, I got 12 guys. I got a couple women that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to love. And I'm going to pour my life into them. I'm going to teach. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give hope to. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them how life can be. He chose a few. And then three of them he really poured into. He really shared himself with. He really had relationship with. He flipped the funnel. He said, I'm going to choose a few people. And so I wonder if this morning, instead of feeling the pressure that i got to preach to 50 people or 100 people, you know, Jesus was the greatest leader in the history of the universe. He was the greatest evangelist to ever live. And he had 12. So why do you think you need 100? You can have one. You could have two or three or four. And if you share the gospel with them, if you teach them and you pour your life into them, man, they're going to come into this funnel, then they're going to get a few. And what happens in the middle of here is they get a couple, and then the, the people that they get get a couple. And guess what? Those 12 men and a handful of women that Jesus really poured into changed the whole world. Two, over 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him because he decided, man, I'm not going to try to pull everybody in at the same time. I got, I got one, there's this guy named Peter. He's fishing right now. I'm going to tell him to follow me. Right? Matthew, he's a tax collector. I think I can, I can, I have influence with him. I can share my life with him. He called a few at a time. And so I wonder this morning, who can you call? Who can you, that didn't work. <laughs> who, who do you have influence over? What's one, two, three people that you can share your life with, that you can share the gospel with? Right? It doesn't have to be 50 or 100. It can be one or two. And that's the best way to share the gospel. Life change happens in the context of relationship. And number three, what do you got to ask? What are the fish biting? Again, I believe the gospel in its truest, untouched form is attractional. I believe it is hope. I believe it, it is the hope of the world. I don't, so when I say bait the hook or what are they biting? I'm not saying that the gospel isn't that. I'm saying on top of that, what does Jesus tell us people are attracted to? What does Jesus tell us to do with people? The first thing is love each other. Love each other. In John chapter 13, it says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He didn't say that the lights and the stage and the music and the, the awesome stuff we do is going to prove that you're my disciples. And he said, love each other. If you love each other, that's going to prove to the world that you're my disciples. And this is why at Lift Church, this is why I believe so strongly that, that we, we need healthy small groups here at Lift Church. That's why we, we put so much into our healthy small groups. And next week is Small Group Sunday. Come on, who's ready for Small Group Sunday? It's going to be a great time, September 11th, Small Group Sunday. And we got a bunch of small groups ready for you all to join. And we, had a, we got it ready a week early. You're going to see them on the screen. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a fantasy football league. There's serve groups where you can... You can go serve at Halo twice a month and serve dinner. Or there's a separate group that's serving lunch twice a month if the dinner time doesn't work for you. Get together and serve. I'm going to take a group of people to the Epoch Dream Center, and we're going to mentor kids that need mentors. Right? We, have a, we have a gaming group with somebody who just loves Lord of the Rings and loves Scripture and loves praying, and he's like, man, let's do a role-playing Lord of the Rings game where we're going to center it around Scripture and praying. Come on. That's awesome. So if, if that's something that you love to do, get involved in that. You know, there, there's, there's women's groups. There's men's groups. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that you can join with. 
um, our, our youth joins in small groups every time they get together on Wednesdays. And so if you got kids in, in, in youth age, send them to, to youth on Wednesday nights to get involved in a small group. You know, and if you're recently saved or if you've recently got baptized or if it's just a step that you haven't taken yet, I really want to encourage you to go through our freedom group. Our freedom group is the one group that we recommend everybody in our church go through at some time. That it's just all about learning to live in the freedom that Christ gives us every day of our life. And so I think it's a great group. We got three different ones at three different days at three different times. And so you can find one that, that fits your schedule. And the people that lead those groups are the greatest people I've ever met in my entire life. And so get in relationship with them. Go Join the freedom group. It's really, it's, it's, there's nothing like it. Uh, so join a group, small group Sunday, next Sunday, love each other. When people see us loving each other, they're like, man, I want to get in on that. Why do you do that? Why, why, why do you go to that every week? You know, that fantasy football league and you're sharing scripture together and you're praying together too. Like what? Like people, people are going to see it and people wonder. Love each other. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Next thing, what are the fish biting? Jesus says two things, love God and love people. Love God and love people. In Matthew chapter 22, they ask him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All of the laws all the rest of the Bible, the, the know-how, the connecting all the dots of their faith and whatever, everything falls on these two things. Love God and love people. I believe if you do that well, that's going to open up a door for you to share the gospel. If you do that well, what's going to happen is, and I love this phrase, you're going to earn the right to be heard by people. Again, if, if a random stranger comes up to me and starts talking about a, a guy that died 2,000 years ago to save my sins and then rose from the dead three days later, um, and now um, they talk to him on a daily basis, I'm looking at him like they're crazy. And I'm saved. I'm a pastor. I'm looking at him like, I'm, like they're crazy. But if somebody I know and I trust comes to me and shares how Jesus has changed their life, Man, and they love me consistently, and they, I see them loving God, they're going to earn the right to be heard in my life. And I'm going to listen to what they say, and I'm going to take it seriously. We love God, and we love people. We earn the right to be heard by people. You know, Jesus said love them. Jesus didn't say correct them. I don't find it one time. Now, there is love in truth that I think we need to learn, but he said love them first. I know that their Facebook post is wrong. I know. Doesn't mean you got to argue with them. I know that it ticked you off. Things tick me off all the time. Love them. Yeah, you never do. <laughs> love them. If you love God and love people, we earn the right to be heard. And we get to share the gospel. The best way to share it, love God, love people. And John chapter 12 says, and when I am lifted up, I will, draw all, I will draw all men unto myself. When we just lift God up, when we just love him, people are going to be drawn to it. So love God, love people. And the last thing is tell your story. 
What are people biting? What are the fish biting? Tell your story. You know, in Revelations, it says this. We're going to overcome the enemy by what? The blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Tell your story. You know, oftentimes you, you hear, be a witness. And I used to think, what does that mean? <laughs> and when we really think about it, I was talking to a dream teamer uh, this past week. We were talking about this idea of being a witness. And he was like, you know what? You know the role of a witness is just to tell their story. In a courtroom, you don't see the witnesses trying to connect all the dots of the case. You don't see the witnesses arguing with the other witnesses. Sometimes they'll argue with the, with the lawyers. But they don't argue with the witnesses. They don't connect all the dots. It's not their job to know the law in and out to make sure they're doing it right. And I feel like we have this pressure that if we don't have all the answers, then we can't share any of it. If we don't have all the dots connected, if we don't know the law in and out, then we can't share it. And look, church, God, I tell you, that's not true. To be a witness is just to share your story. Your story has power. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. So what's the best way to tell people about Jesus? Tell your story. Tell them how he changed your life. Tell them how he, he turned your sorrow into joy. Turn, tell them about how he turned your mourning into dancing. Man, and no one can argue with that. The great thing about your story is it's your experience. No one can argue with it. They might have a different opinion. They might have ideas. But when they bring them up, you can say, go talk to Pastor Aaron about that. This is just what he's done for me. This is just, he's just changed my life. And I wanted you to know that. And when people hear that, they want to know more. You want to know how to tell people about Jesus? Tell them your story. It's as simple as that. Find people that you have influence with. Love them well. Love each other well and tell them your story. You don't need 500. You just need one. Take care of that one, that two or three. And I think it's going to change the world. But why do we do this? Why do we, why do we share Jesus with people? You know, there's the obvious that this is his great commission. This was his last thing. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will be with you to the end of the age. But why? I'm living for him now. Can I just keep on going? And then I read this scripture that Jesus continues with his fishing metaphors. And I read this scripture and it really puts it into perspective. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like, fish, like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When, that, when the net was full, they dragged it up on the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish in the crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then I feel this last part. I feel like Jesus is pleading with them. He said, do you understand these things? Do you understand the stakes? Do you understand the reality? He said, there's a heaven and there is a hell. That's a reality that we have to do something about. That's a reality that we can't just sit back and figure and, and wonder how is this going to pan out. 
we got to do something about it. There are people in my life that I care about, and I know that pe- real people are going to go to heaven. I know that real people are going to go to hell. And I'm like, man, I know where I want them to go. I know where I want to see them in the future. And if no one's going to tell them about Jesus, then I will. Who's going to do it if I'm not going to do it? Who's going to do it if you're not going to do it? The stakes are too high for us to miss this text. The stakes are too high for the people that you love, for the people you know, for your coworkers, for your, for your neighbors, for your Starbucks barista. The stakes are high. This is too big to miss. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you need another reason, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Just like everyone else. You, me, Pastor Drew, Pastor JT, Brian, Erica, Mary, Wanda, Matt, every single one of us deserve his anger. We deserve his wrath. We lived apart from God. But the scripture continues. It says, but God, who was so rich in his mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved, for he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with them in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So why? Why, why do we share the gospel? It's because he's our only hope. He is the only hope that our world has. He is the the only true source of joy. He's the only true source of life. He is the only true source of hope that our our, our neighbors have, that our coworkers have, that, that that our kids have. He is the only hope that we have. And just in this room alone, when I look out into these people and I and I know the experiences they've had with Christ, we've seen marriages on the brink of ugly divorce find restoration in Christ. We, we have seen men and women trapped in addiction, set free in the name of Jesus. We have seen families reunited. We have seen the lonely find a family. We have seen individuals who have contemplated and even attempted suicide find life in Jesus. Cancer has been healed. The barren have had children. Mental health has been restored. Countless situations of hopelessness have found hope that those who have felt unlovable have found the love of Jesus. Though we were dead in our sins, We are made alive by the matchless and mighty name of Jesus. If we don't take this message out there, if we don't share the gospel, then who is? Church, you are plan A for spreading the gospel. There is no plan B. If you don't do it, I fear no one will. We got to share the gospel. It's the only hope that we have. The stakes are too high. You aren't just a business owner. You aren't just a teacher. You aren't just a construction worker, a student, a parent. You're ambassadors of the king. 
we got to share it. we got to go into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our workplaces, into our classrooms. Yes, I said classrooms. And share the gospel with those that we have influence with. You know, in the Old Testament, the Lord tells Joshua, every place you put your foot, I'm going to give to you. And so I wonder, I'm like, God, how do we get to this place of everywhere that we put our foot, we're going to claim and you're going to give to us to a place where we're so timid to share about our faith. And I came across this example of how they, they train elephants. And when the elephants are little, they chain them up in heavy chains. And so when they fight against the chains, they end up hurting themselves. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of, of discomfort. And they realize we can't break free from this chain. And so they stop trying because there's so much pain that goes with it. And so when they're older, all they got to do is put a little light rope on them because they know they're not going to fight back anymore. And I feel like this morning that a lot of you in your life have been chained up. There's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of heartache. And because of that, you feel like you can't fight back anymore. That the, the pain of this world, we see the power of this world and we're like, it's too strong, it's too painful. There's no way we can break free of it. But can I tell you this morning that Jesus has come to break those chains. Can I tell you this morning that you can start fighting again. That when we as a church fight against the enemy, that there is nothing he can do about it. This morning, I refuse to believe the hopeless statistics that our, 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 our world wants to push out at us. I, I refuse to believe that our generation is lost. I refuse to believe that the gospel's not working. Instead, I choose to stand with Jesus when he says the harvest is ready. I choose, I, I, I choose to, to stand on the word of God when it says that there is a light in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. I choose to stand with Jesus this morning that if we would go out and share the gospel that people's lives will be changed that hope will be found that that marriages will be restored that 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 addictions will be broken I believe that there is there is power in the gospel and I want to I want to get back this morning church to us going out and saying every place that our foot touches we're going to claim is holy ground are you with me this morning church are you with me? Can I get an amen for that this morning? Can we take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Can we take the gospel to our community? If that's you this morning, can you stand to your feet? If that's you this morning, the worship team is back up here, and I believe that we need to, we need to reignite some faith this morning. I believe that for some of us, we stopped believing that Jesus is enough. But this morning, can I tell you that Jesus is almighty? That Jesus is never ending. That Jesus, Jesus can change the world. If we would just take his message and share the gospel. So this morning, will, will you reignite your faith this morning? This morning, this morning, will you help me declare the name of Jesus over our city? Will you help me? If you're an intercessor this morning, if you're someone who's like, man, I can pray. I want you to pray right now. If, if you're a worshiper, I want you to worship. If you don't know what the heck to do, I just want you to proclaim and declare the name of Jesus over our community. Will you help me declare the name of Jesus this morning? Will you help me declare the name of Jesus over your kids, over your family, over your co-workers? I believe that if we share the gospel, that if we take Jesus to the ends of the earth, that it can change everything. Do you believe this morning? God, and sometimes I feel like we need to bind the enemy this morning. I feel like we need to say, enemy you have no place here you have no place in our city don't you tell me he can't do it 
because I know that he can. And so this morning, will you declare it? We declare that you believe. Come on, this morning, just start to intercede for our city. Start to intercede for those that you know. We declare that this morning that in the presence of Jesus, everything changes. We declare this morning that if we take the gospel, God, I believe you are too good to not believe. God, I believe that it's going to change everything. God, not because of me, but because a mention of your name can change everything. Come on, church, will you declare it with me this morning? We declare with me, declare with the worship team right now. Declare it that Jesus, you are enough. God, we believe. God, just the mention of your name. Just the mention of your name. Raise the dead. To all the glory to the only one who can. Jesus is you. Jesus is you.
Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. After everything I've seen, you're too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Sing it one more time. After everything I've seen, you're too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe after everything I've seen. Too good to not believe. I don't, I don't want to rush from this moment. If you're interceding, continue to intercede for our city. I think we need to, we just need to be in this moment and pray for our city to, to, to believe that Jesus can change everything. So this morning, even as we're, we're playing, I believe that the Lord is putting some people on your mind right now, some people on your heart that you're like, man, I have influence and I can share that gospel. You know, next Sunday is Welcome Home Sunday. That means that we are going to present the gospel in the most clear terms that we know how. And so if, I want you to think of somebody who has God put on your heart that you can bring next week. Someone that you know and you trust and say, man, they need to hear about this Jesus. Next week will be the perfect week to bring them. And so on your way out, we have invite cards. It's really easy. It says, come sit with me. Who needs it this morning? Who needs Jesus in your life? Let this not just be a moment where we say, yes, we believe. But instead, let it be a sending point. Ascending moment to say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to share the gospel. You know, one of my favorite illustrations is from a, a movie called Glory. And in this movie, it's in a, a time of war and there's segregation and racism going on. And there's a, there's a, a platoon of all black soldiers. And they're fighting through the war and it gets to this climax point where they got to take this fort that's heavily defended. And they know whatever platoon they send first is most likely going to die. And so the leadership decides to send the 54th platoon. And in this moment, where they're heading up to the fort to fight this battle, they're surrounded by the rest of the army. And the rest of the army, there's camaraderie there, and it's family there, and it's, they have fought together now. And as they're walking off, you, you hear the rest of the army say, get... Give them heck, 54. They didn't say heck. But they said, give them heck, 54. And you hear it echoing throughout all of the soldiers. Give them heck, 54. And that scene reminds me of a scripture in Hebrews. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off anything that, that hinders us, everything that entangles us, so that we can run the race set out for us. Do you hear them this morning, Lift Church? All the people that have gone before us, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the ones in your own personal life that have gone before you, do you hear them this morning surrounding you, encouraging you? Do you hear them saying, give them heaven, Lift Church? Give them heaven. And as we go out this morning, will you give them heaven, Lift Church? Will you give them Jesus? Will you tell your story? Tell them how, you, how he changed your life. He's the only hope. The stakes are too high for us to miss this text. 
So this morning, Lift Church, give them heaven. Give them heaven. And if you're in the room this morning and you're saying, I am far from God, but I want to be close to Him again. If you're you're in this room, and maybe it's for your first time hearing about this, and you're saying, I want a piece of that, I want a piece of that hope, I want a piece of that joy, I want to give my life to Jesus, then in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to make you come on stage or do a dance. Jesus just said, if you acknowledge me in front of men, I will acknowledge you in front of the Father. And so a simple hand raised for me to know that's who I'm praying for and for for Jesus to know that that's the person that's given their life to me. So on the count of three, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. If that free gift is something that you want this morning, will you slip your hand in the air right now? Go ahead and slip your hand in there. I see your hands. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on, I see your hand in the back. Come on, this morning, it's a free gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Him. If that's you this morning, and with the rest of Lift Church, will you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I've messed up, and I've done wrong. But Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I believe my sins are covered by your blood. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I believe you are the Son of God who came to save me. I vow to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus the highest praise? Come on, can we give him a shout of praise, Jesus? You are so good.